0: Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H E L P.
1: These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs>
0: It's just time travel! Written by Luke Condor Narrated by Ian McEwan The patchwork of wires, metal plating, and moving cogs began to hum. The yeasties was alive again. Its multi-drive motors whirred as the latticed metal blades started up. The spinning coils fixed to the cockpit spun... Kicking up dust that billowed upwards into Alfie's face. Crackling blue lights snapped into life as the multi-drive kicked the antimatter quarks into the centrifuge. Light spilled outwards from its core and sliced a hole through the fabric of the multiverse with that familiar low-res chime and the smell of fresh petricor. Calm down, Alfie boy! Dot said as the pointed tips of his ears flicked.
1: It's just time travel.
0: Alfie looked on at his rainbow-skinned companion.
1: No, not
0: companion. He was much more than that. A teacher. A mentor. More than that, even. How could Alfie reduce the being he'd spent so much time with to something less than family? Dot Flux was the big brother that Alfie never had. Dot winked at Alfie as he reached down into the cockpit and pulled upwards on the thrust lever. A second later, and the yeasties took flight. Alfie wiped his eyes and whispered, Goodbye. Goodbye to his found family. Goodbye to his mentor." Goodbye to the life of adventure he'd come to know. Goodbye to Dot Flux and the Yeasties. He remembered the first time he saw the Yeasties, the multidimensional time-traveling machine from the year 5301 Cat 10. The now-familiar time-crackle lightning up the back garden, waking him from his sleep as the bulbs in the house blew and the street lights popped musically. One by one. He remembered the mix of fear and curiosity as he pulled back the Iron Man curtains in his bedroom and looked out into the garden. His hands shaking. The hair on the backs of his arms standing on end in the wash of blue light. The very real possibility that he might lose his bladder control at any given moment. And then he saw it. Out by the shed, sat atop where the trampoline should have been, now crushed underneath. The netting and the steel frame spilling out beneath the yeasties, like the Wicked Witch's feet under Dorothy's house. The machine looked halfway between a car and a speedboat, surrounded in a webbing of silver metal. A toy car contained within a gacha egg. The blue light was still there. Crackling and popping, but more infrequently now, fizzling out like pop rocks in his mouth, losing their vigor.
1: Ah, for toot's sake!
0: A voice said as steam poured out from the sides of the machine. Only tootin' gone and tooted the multi-drive! For a minute or so, Alfie watched in terror as the spinning blades slowed and stopped aligning themselves on the sides and the front, creating a perfect X. And then, the long, slender fingers reached out of the cockpit and grabbed the sides. They were followed by the spiked hair, the pointed ears, and then the face. The skin like a painter's palette. Even in the dark, the colors shone through as if the skin itself held an effervescent glow. Alfie had come to wonder if Dot used to be a human, or at least something that resembled a human. If he was or wasn't, he'd strayed far from that now, a distorted, twisted version of what he once was. The man, who Alfie would come to know as Dot Flux, legendary time clocker, climbed out of the machine and began to circle it, scratching his head, And occasionally tapping unseen buttons on the sides that beeped when touched. Occasionally, he kicked the end of his foot against the sides and muttered the word toot. There was only one thing for it. Alfie wrapped himself in his monkey onesie, pulled up the hood, and headed down the stairs. The inside of the house was empty, the kitchen was quiet. He carefully unlocked the patio doors to see the man sat down on the grass, looking up at the machine in a defeated slump. Alfie took a deep breath, mustering as much courage as he could before offering his words. ''Do you need help?'' he said. The creature's muttering halted. He turned and looked to Alfie. His eyes were sharp, like cat's eyes, and his Cheshire cat's smile was wide and manic. No, do you? The voice was pitched way too high for a man of his size.
1: No, I'm okay.
0: Alfie took a further step into the garden, the ambient blue light now completely filtered out, leaving them in darkness. If it wasn't for the beaming moonlight and its stars, he wouldn't be able to see the man at all. Who are you? Alfie said. Me? The man stood up and dusted off the long lapels of his jacket. My name is Dot. That's a funny name. Quite. Dot wandered towards Alfie, towering over him with his wiry frame. Surely twice the size of his dad.
1: You see... He looked to the boy
0: expectantly.
1: Alfie. You see, Alfie, I've only gone and tooted up my multi-drive. Ran out of juice, you see. Thought I'd make it all the way back home, but ended up stranded in 2016 Cat 12. No juice here for me. Nothing at all. So it looks like I'm staying here on this god-riddled planet of yours. Suppose I better sell, eh? Move in with you? Without waiting for an answer,
0: the man walked towards the open patio door. Wait, Alfie said,
1: stopping him. You can't stay here. My mum and dad will be home soon. They don't let me have sleepovers. Ah, I see. Tis a shame, little Alfie. Not so much for me. You see, I can sleep wherever. Where I lay my head is home. The horizon my pillow. The passing hands of time my nightcap. The ticking my lullaby. But it's the poor wangle tots of 3020 Cat 1 that are in for some trouble. The wangle... tots? Yep. Those poor little subspecies are going to die of data poisoning if I don't get these antivirus bot-spots to them. Nothing major for me. Another day in the extraordinary life of a time-clocker. But for those six billion wangletots, it's the difference between life and a neural uplink full of cack that will have them feasting on each other's flesh and the like. Same thing happened in Cat 2, but not much we can do for that one. Poor, poor, Wangletots, those lot from Cat 2. Poor, poor.
0: A noise halted him, yelling from up the street. Someone complaining about the power outage. For a second, they stood in silence and listened, until Dot randomly burst into life. He gesticulated wildly and
1: slapped his own head. "'Wait, wait! Is this 2016 Cat 12?' He looked to Alfie. "'I guess,' he said. "'I mean, I wouldn't—' "'Wrong, Alfie! This is Cat 6. I tooted up my calculations. "'You see, in Cat 5, they don't have juice. "'But here, they do. Or they should. Do they?' Do you?
0: He looked to Alfie again, dropping to his knee and pressing his face slowly forward, the light of his eyes now in view. His head was giant on his slim shoulders, the skin perfectly smooth, too, like it had been coated in plastic film.
1: What? Do you have juice? Like orange juice? "'The yeasties will run on anything citric.' "'Well, we have orange juice.' Too Damn it, Alfie! You are a genius! Orange is citric!' He
0: jumped in the air and pumped his fist. Alfie couldn't help but smile at the crazy man. He was out of his mind. Everything was exaggerated. His limbs, movements, even his expressions.' Alfie went into the fridge and returned with a half empty carton of Mama's Sunshine OJ. He handed it to Dot, who lifted it to his ear and shook the carton. Each splash inside seemed to make him all the happier. He turned to the yeasties, opened a small door on the side, and poured the juice inside. Another button press, and the machine started to whirl. As he was about to climb back in, he turned to Alfie.
1: Well, are you coming or what, Alfie boy? What? Me? To the wangle tots? I can't. My mum and dad will be back soon. They'll be worried. Nonsense, Alfie. I need someone with your genius juice-finding intellect. And besides, I've opened up a hole here, in this garden, at this very moment. We can just come back here when we're done. You get to see a little of the multiverse. Come back, and into bed, and that will be that. We will bid each other farewell. And you, my boy, will be an honorary clock ticker.
0: It took Alfie all of about ten seconds before he coyly agreed and another ten before Dot lifted him up and into a small leather seat in the cockpit. Another five, and the blades whirred. Four, and the hole crackled above them. Another three, two, one, and they were gone. (laughs) They say that time flies when you're having fun, But the time-to-fun curve must be exponentially quicker when the thrill of adventure is added to the mix. Alfie expected it to be little over an hour before he and Dot were saying their goodbyes, and he was back in his bed, snuggled up and smiling from the adventure. But it was seven years before they did say goodbye. They'd been together for so long on so many adventures... They'd been on the sorts of adventures that never quite finished, but spiraled outwards into more and more. They helped clear the wangletots of data sickness. They journeyed all the way back to the 1950s Cat 20 to save the good Hitler. Then back to negative 102 Cat 9 to save the pre-species of space rot so it could go on and grow into multicellular organisms. Dot taught him things, too. He taught him how the yeasties could go back and forth in the time stream, but also sideways across the dimensions. Dot taught him that across the span of the dimensions there were uncountable variations of the same exact thing. There was an infinite number of Alphys out there, and Dots, too. Then they made their way to the outer reaches and found the point at which the universe begins to repeat. There was a parasite problem there.
1: A real bad one, Dot said. Some chemical castration ought to do it.
0: They cleared the place of parasites. No more eating and consuming all organic life for them. Through their travels and adventures, Dot taught Alfie far more than science and the laws of the universe. Dot taught him how to live with intention, to be confident, to be a hero. So then, when Dot finally said it was time, Alfie felt that he was ready. He felt that it was time to go back to his world and put these lessons into practice to make his world a better place. They ventured through the time stream and they made their way back to Alfie's house. He was nervous. He had a lot of explaining to do to his parents. His mustache for one of them. But when the yeasties parked up, Alfie was confused. They weren't in that back garden from all those years ago. The street he grew up on was nowhere to be seen. The house non-existent. They were parked in a room of pure white. He couldn't see where the floor ended and the walls began. He was about to ask where they were when a bag was shoved over his head and a taser pressed into his stomach. Before he could scream, handcuffs were slapped over his wrists and he was yanked from the cockpit. Unseen hands dragged him across the floor. Wait! Wait! He heard Dot's voice say, ''Let me have a word.'' The unseen assailants removed the bag, and Alfie, now terrified out of his mind, looked around to see 30 or more rainbow-skinned creatures that looked exactly like Dot. But they weren't as eccentric as Dot. They wore form-fitting grey overalls dotted with white, their hair shaved to reveal
1: their colourful, shiny, bald heads. Dot? I don't understand. What's happening? I'm sorry, Alfie.
0: He jumped out of the cockpit, looked to the floor.
1: You see, a man's got to make a living. They've got to provide fuel for the machine. They've got to have a trade. And mine is plucking out unwanted's from across the multiverse and dropping them air, where they can be... Well, let's just say there's a reason I spent the past few years teaching you how to be strong. You're going to need a stiff upper lip when they start the implants. It's going to be a rough ride for you. I don't... I don't understand. What about my parents? Oh, right, yes. Well, they died. I mean, they will die. They die in a car collision on the way home on that night I dropped in terrible and violent. Barely recognize the faces in all the mess, which kind of helps us, really. You see, all those humans of the time stream will know is that you were with them, and that you died that night too.
0: Alfie cried and struggled, but one of the scientist clockers pressed the taser into his stomach again. He instantly vomited and lost control of his bladder warm urine fell out from the bottom of his shoe and onto the floor which makes
1: me unwanted he said through tears like I said you're a genius kiddo you got the brains you see we operate here in the extraverse because nobody can know the true source of our fuel me?
0: Dots looked away for a second it looked like he was tearing up too Please,
1: don't leave me here, Dot. I love you, Dot. I love you. I know, Alfie boy.
0: He jumped back into the cockpit and turned on the multi-drive. One of the others took over a small package and handed it to him. He took it and pressed another button, which started the blades spinning.
1: I'll be off, Alfie. I've got to go back to see another you. Same time, different cat. You're a rare breed, you see. You're a vein of gold in the rock, and we're not going to stop until we've mined every last golden nugget of you.
0: Alfie sobbed as Dot started to disappear, and the others placed the bag back over his head. Something moist in the bag burned at the skin of his cheeks and stung his eyes.
1: Mwaka not tucked!
0: One of them said, as something slammed against his right foot, something snapped and the ensuing pain was so much that he vomited again. He didn't have to see to know that his foot was bent in on itself. The throbbing pain was so great he hardly noticed them grab his other foot. Another snap and now both his feet were a bent right angle the wrong way. He cried and screamed as the pain shot through his legs in great exploding bursts. He thought he might pass out, but he didn't. Not quite. He was awake enough to feel himself picked up and placed on one of the clocker's shoulders. And he was awake enough to hear the yeasties engine starting up, to feel the wind pick up and kick under the hood where it tickled his burning face. And he was awake enough to hear Dot Flux's last words to him.
1: Calm down, Alfie boy, Dot said. It's just time travel.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of the other stories. It's Just Time Travels, written by Luke Condor, narrated by Ian McEwan, edited by Carl Hughes, with music by Ares Beats, Mayu, Pessimistic Mystic and Tom Robson. So here you like fiction told in the medium of audio. Well, guess what? Luke Condor and Ian McEwan have just launched The Hipster from Outer Space as a nine hour audiobook. It's an oddball science fiction thriller that involves an ancient alien being waking up in the body of a hipster, a psychotic killer obsessed with self-help, and a talking cat called Gary. If you think that it might be your thing, then go grab a copy of the audiobook from hypeurl.co forward slash hipster audio, or simply go to the show notes and click on the link. Once again, the link is hypeurl.co
1: forward slash hipster audio, or just go to the show notes and click on the link there. Until next time.